You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Warning. Thunder Talk contains foul language, adult subject matter, and is intended for mature audiences. Thunder Faithful, it's Annual 2, Part 2. Mark and Dan reflect on the life and passing of Representative and Civil Rights Giant John Lewis in a candid discussion about how far his efforts have brought us and the good trouble still left to be done. Singer and songwriter extraordinaire Dwayne Mark performs his hit single, Alone Again, from the album A Letter to My Friends. History of Comic Books podcast Jonathan Wheatley shows up to talk about crazy contracts And Sexy Thor drops the latest nerd news with another WTLK. Hashtag nerd junk. We reminisce about past Dragon Con experiences and talk about what we're looking forward to seeing in the future. Lightning lad, roll the thunder. Thunder talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Annual 2, Part 2. We hope you enjoyed part one with all of its greatest hits glory. Uh, I sure enjoyed it myself. There were even some parts I was just like, wow, I was obviously drunk and also had no idea what I was doing at this time. <laughs> that's, that's the best part of it was that you were drunk yeah, exactly. and having a good time. Like I was talking to my, like hearing myself do Thor speak about Loki kidnapping Santa Claus and I was just like wow so so this is what it's like to be somebody that's not me yeah that, yeah that was the thing dude that was the thing what what would Thor do yeah the idea yeah. was that you would RIP what would Thor do yeah right <laughs> <laughs> I was I was glad to hear us talk about breaking two again that was yeah that was good it was good yeah. times yeah, yeah. And that's such a good movie everybody should watch that movie if you have any time in your day that you just want to throw away. Oh, that is, that's the, that's the, the film. That's it. Yeah. No, it's yeah. not. It's not. <laughs> no, it is, though. It really I, is. It is. You know, got speaking drugs, of, man. Have fun. Speaking of throwing away time, uh, so, Dan, today I uh, I watched Dark Phoenix again. Oh, man. You know what? Mark. Mark. How you doing, Mark? Mark McCray, everybody. Mark McCray's in the house. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> What's going on? Hey, so um, Adam, uh, Adam's have, trying to talk to me to... about Dark Phoenix again, dude. <laughs> yeah, Adam, I want to hear the story. Trying to bring up Dark Phoenix. Oh shit! All right. Oh yeah. Okay. It was, it was my first time watching it sober too. <laughs> oh, well, so it was your second time watching yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we got we got really drunk. We stumbled into that theater, and then we stumbled out into like some hot wings place. Yeah, that movie was. What if I told you we watched it? And we didn't hate it. How about that? Yeah, I, mean, I was like, I understand why people didn't love it, but I didn't yes. understand why people hated it so much. Yeah, I that, loved. Yeah, Dude. that's the thing. I, I, I didn't hate it when I watched it sober. Yeah, <laughs> you see. Oh. Okay, yeah. you know what? I'll say, dude. Like the first ten, fifteen minutes, to be totally honest, is some of my favorite X Men on film ever. It's almost like it's the '90s cartoon. It's the X Men as this legitimate option that the governments the people of the world can go to in a time of crisis the 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 x-men are legitimized 
really. Mm -hmm. They've become this force, this recognized force for good. And it lost me when, for no fucking reason, drop of a hat, you guys are shit again, just like the other yes. twenty, just like the other thirty <laughs> like fucking movies super before. Fast. Like super all, fast, all of a sudden, you're all shit because that's all we know how to fucking do yeah. anymore. I mean, they they dropped <laughs> them so fast. So X X Men fatigue, man. X Men fatigue. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, it still gets points for that, dude. Yeah. Annual two, annual two deserves way more than a fucking Dark Phoenix talk, Mark. <laughs> Mark, part part two Damn. of Mark's. Uh, hey, how you doing? Uh, uh-oh. Well, I'm sorry, Beth. I mean, I'm not on their payroll, okay? I didn't I, I didn't mean, I didn't like that movie. I've never seen it sober. There's a lot we can unpack there. I think we should maybe think about our own Patreon or giving the ESO okay. some Patreon about some of that shit. Okay, Marvel, if you're listening to us right now, don't listen to Dan. <laughs> we would love to be on your payroll right now. Yeah. Especially anything- that <laughs> Especially that guy who does that WTLK segment. God, he would yes. do, he would do anything to be on your payroll. Yeah. Oh my god. Anything. Don't listen to Dan.com. <laughs> he, he really will. He really will. Yeah. He really yeah. will. You know, I consider myself pretty fluid sexually speaking. I so, think we would all get is. in those sheets. Absolutely. We would jump right in. They don't call him Sexy so, Thor for nothing. Dan is gay for pay. Got it. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh. Sexy Thor is gay for pay. I'm gay for Sexy Thor. Yeah. Onlydans.com. There you go. Either way, he's getting <laughs> Dan's <paid>. only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hash, hashtag not all Dan's. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag not all Dan's. Looking for love on... Dansonly.com. Yeah, all the wrong places. That would be the wrong place. Yeah, that'd be definitely the wrong place. And it's like Dan's doing Dan's, you know, all the Dan's. Oh, oh that gosh. was a thing. Yeah, there was <laughs> a whole. Don't bring us uh, back to that. Please, Beth wanted no. to have Beth wanted to have a legitimate talk about clones, which yeah, is the legitimate a conversation. <laughs> but it just dissolved tried. into like I really Dan tried. Just was really turned on by himself. <laughs> It just wanted to have sex with himself. Well, and that was the entire story. Look, I mean, Dan, I think a lot one was... week talking about how he's unattractive. Dan, the next week, really wants to get down with himself. Oh, no, yeah. those aren't mutually exclusive concepts. That's <laughs> For me, the clone debate always came down to between them being allowed to vote and no. having sex with my wife. This is where it all began. And it just dis- just devolved, dissolved. And it just went from there. <laughs> Thunder Talk is one fifth degenerate. Mark. Um, Mark, everybody. Time. Mark McCray's in the house. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Step yeah, up to I, the mic, yo. I, I am in the house, but I keep cutting out like every other second. So maybe we should have went with a two uh, laptop option because uh, I just yeah. sent you a text message saying I, I've been cutting out. And of course, since I sent that message, I stopped cutting out. So. <laughs> You know, well, you know what? What you can do that might help mm-hmm. is you can actually kill your video. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to see us, right? And we wouldn't but see you. Could you hear us, yeah. but you would hear us. Uh, um, we would hear you, and that might that might solve some of the issue. Okay, I mean, I'll I would... ki- I'll kill my video in solidarity if you want me to. No, Dan, we need you to see us, and we need all the. We need to be able to see you. Accountability. Accountability. Okay. I, understand. I understand. Well, also, you're the one that's the worst about seeing when other people are trying to cut in and keep talking. Yeah, but, you know, I think I'm, you know, I edit myself the most. That's, 
doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't. Those are just that's <laughs> this is the sound I'm making with my face. You know, you know what we need. I I think that I have devised a way to get Dan's attention via the internet. You get one of those really fancy like remote vibrators, you know, like you can access like with a phone. And then so we would actually connect it to Dan vi- you know, vibrator on Dan. And every time somebody needed to take control, they would just use their phones to activate Dan's vibrator. And boom, we would immediately take control of the conversation. (laughs) Everybody would be having a great time. I think I have just solved this. It sounds amazing. I think Dan just died. So you want me just to shut up sometimes? I mean, is that what you're saying? It took you 29 episodes to fucking say it. Okay, all right, no, fine. It's all it's all about timing. It's all, it's about it's about be organic timing. Hashtag then, timing. Hashtag yeah. timing. That's yeah. what orgasms are about. You shoot me a vibrator, I'll shut the fuck up. Okay, Thunder Faithful, you heard it right here. This is a social contract. You you may you do that. I even have a better idea. What if? We get you this remote-controlled vibrator and then give it to our fans oh, access shit. so they could take access of your vibrator. That that creates an entire temporal situation if it's going to be tied to the show <laughs> itself. However, as one of those like, hey, super fan, uh, you want to engage with the show when it's not like the show? I mean, yeah, that's... <laughs> That would you all got the Twitch be... channels. You you have a way to reach yeah. people in real time with this. Y- you know, Dan, yeah. if this was if this was a, a, a you know like a company, you would be in trouble. They would have to take you to HR for even you know suggesting <laughs> such a thing. Kavika suggested it, man. You see, <laughs> well, somebody. I mean, but if you were <laughs> if oh. if you were to like allow the whole uh, situation to happen. You know, you oh. might be in trouble with HR. That's Not true. all bands. I mean... No, see, Mark, that's why on paper, uh, Adam, Sexy Thor, is the head of Thunder Talk, actually. <laughs> that's that's why he's the boss. Exactly. I'm, I'm already devising and closing all the loopholes and problems in the wind dance vibrator sweepstakes right now oh that's cool yeah i mean it's it's him that's liable completely look you know what i don't i don't want to over sexualize myself you know i think that maybe that that's you know i think i gave away too much too fast <laughs> we'll have our beagle department look into it yeah beagles uh, you say beagle department Yes, I did. <laughs> our our beagles are looking into it. <laughs> what? Top beagles are on the case. <laughs> per my yes. last beagle. Snoopy, come home. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Yeah. If I can, if I can do that on your Twitter, then yeah, I will. I'll do the vibrator thing. <laughs> oh, on her Twitch, you I'll, mean? Oh, Twitch, Twitch. Yeah. yeah, on your Twitch. You guys got the yeah, live thing. Yeah, let's not get me banned from Twitch, okay? <laughs> well, no, we can do it tastefully. What? Well, I mean, the I'm vibrator... New, I'm new there. Let's not get me banned already. The vibrator can go anywhere, man. You got a dirty mind, okay? <laughs> uh, I was about to say, we've we've already, you know, probably 
broken 2020 completely by introducing the term Dan's vibrator into <laughs> the world. <laughs> maybe it's like, what that maybe that's what people need right now. Maybe that's the hope. That's the fucking hope that we've been waiting for. That's the hope we've been waiting oh for. Dan's vibrator only on onlydans.com. You know, again, I think I just pretty much said that only dance yeah, it's dance clones. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, like, <sighs> that must be Dan's only fans is only Dan's. Exactly. <laughs> and they can win his vibrator and second prize winner gets a picture of his vibrator. Oh, I don't know. What's first prize? They get the picture of Dan using the vibrator? No, the first prize, oh, the, the grand prize no. is the vibrator itself. The second prize is Guys, no. pictures of the vibrator. This is going to be worse than yeah. the clone chat. <laughs> yeah, this is descending this, We've devolved. The, this totally went 2020 on us and yeah. just devolved. I mean, we can monetize that, though. I mean, that is a real thing. I mean, <laughs> I want to move on, and I fucking tried to make that clear five minutes ago when I think I put myself out there too much. I tried to try to make a quick buck. <laughs> Okay, off of making, chu- uh, off of fucking chuckling at myself. Okay, when it comes to when it comes to, when it comes to my Dan parts. All right, uh, I want to move the fuck on. But I mean, I mean, the yeah. Beagles are calling in. Our Beagle team is calling in, and they said it's time to move on. Just put a pin, put a pin in that. We'll revisit that like away from keyboard. <laughs> this is terrible. I'm sorry. If I had a soundboard right now, I'd play that that guy going, It's time to stop. My daddy says ESO Network is the best podcast network, but I don't know because I don't listen to my dad. Everyone these days could use a little support. And your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. So if you look at our Facebook profile pictures right now, uh, Wheatley is uh, has the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Sexy Thor has identical Atlanta Braves this is their profile picture. Uh, I have the Los Angeles Dodgers, and Mark uh, has a picture of Mark because Mark kind of doesn't give a shit about that sports ball. <laughs> <laughs> what Mark what Mark is interested in though are our contracts, crazy Hollywood contracts. Mark, why don't you? Uh, why don't you give us a little uh, let let us into your head for a second? Like what 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 are we talking about here? This all started because I was watching uh, a classic movie, City of Fear, and uh, this this actor, her name is uh, Patricia Blair. She caught my eye, and I'm like, hmm, I've never seen her before. And so I looked her up to see what else she had been in, and there was like this really interesting trivia about her that she played the wife of a successful series called Daniel Boone, which was a huge hit. Oh, sure. And yeah, so just getting a little bit of a background, it got me thinking about contracts and things because there's a story that she threatened to leave the show if they didn't write out 
the actor who played her daughter, who was Veronica Cartwright, who is the oldest sister of Angela Cartwright, who played Penny on the original uh, Lost in Space. Okay. And, right. and apparently the producers uh, agreed to her demands and Veronica Cartwright was gone after the second season. Wow, dick move. Dick move. Why did right. she why did she do that? Well, because What's the dirt, uh, man? What's what's what are the what are the yeah. salacious details? So Veronica Cartwright was, you know, a teenager and they were going to start doing stories of her of her character anyway dating young men on the series. And apparently, Miss Blair thought that it would cast her in a light of being older and more matronly. Oh, the senora. Right. You know, and this is something that comes up a lot with, especially when you look at the golden age of Hollywood, where you'll have an actor that will not want to play a part. You know, uh, Joan Crawford got this movie called Susan and God, which was like about a woman who becomes religious. And it was offered to Norma Shearer first. But supposedly Norma Shearer didn't want to play a mother of a 14 year old because that would be looked upon as, okay, if I'm old enough to have a 14 year old, I'm old. And I don't want people to think of me as being old. So, you know, I'm not going to do it. And this seemed to be the thinking or the mentality of Hollywood back in the day. The the thing that I don't understand about writing an actor off a show, you know, like these days, if I say, okay, Dan, I'm not going to work with you. Right. Either Dan goes or I go. <laughs> the network and the producers would come back to me and say, hey, you signed a contract. Right. And you have to adhere to this contract or we'll sue you. And I don't understand why this wasn't done in this particular case. Now, I don't want to act like I'm telling stories out of school, <laughs> but but this was listed on the this information was listed on the movie database. And when you look at Wikipedia, it says that you know Veronica Cartwright, her character disappeared at the end of season two of Daniel Boone, but no one seems to know why. <laughs> Dang. I'm sure there's a story there, but I just think it's just really bad that an actor had to lose a role on a successful show because of somebody's vanity, you know? Well, that that, that actually reminded me of a famous an incident in the comic books back when uh, it was actually during the timely days when Violet Barclay was recruited by one of the male artists there who even who even though he recognized her talent also he was trying to well sleep with her <laughs> and uh, even though and plus the guy was married at the time and well she took the job not knowing his ulterior motives and then lo and behold it became obvious that oh he is after me and she just rejected him outright and even started dating another writer there instead this guy who recruited her was so mad he went to stan lee and said either she goes or i go and stan lee who doesn't like having demands like that goes well goodbye then <laughs> <laughs> wow. so that guy left and last i understand she actually worked at marvel for a good many years afterwards okay. yeah she did like some of the more uh, humorous funny animal stories back at timely like super rabbit and ziggy pig and silly seal and oh and nelly the nurse oh. which was another uh 
This is back like oh. back during the timely days when they were shift. They were out of superheroes for a little while, doing more of the humor and romance stuff. Didn't yeah. uh, Dan DeCarlo also work on Nelly the Nurse? I believe as well so. As yeah, artist? yeah, he was. That mm-hmm. was uh, one of the more popular uh, characters at Marvel for that period before they went back into superheroes in the Silver Age. The only crazy contract thing that I was thinking about the whole time since you brought up the topic to me was writers and people's contracts and Van Halen and the brown M&Ms and all that. Oh, yeah. You know what time it is with that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The reason that they have nonsensical shit like that in there is to make sure the venue has read the contract. So when they walk into their green room and they look at that bowl of M&Ms and if they see that, you know, that there are brown, indeed brown M&Ms in there. It means that the host didn't like really go through the contract yeah. and it gives them a reason to get out of it. They could be like, well, fuck on this place. Fuck Budweiser. Fuck this. Uh, fuck uh, this sports arena. Or it triggers a penalty clause where they the venue now has to pay an additional twenty thousand dollars for violation of contract. But Van Halen still agrees to take the stage. Wow, that's something. I mean, that's my understanding of the brown M&M thing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, that, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. No, that makes sense. But I think just the whole idea of contract writers just, uh, goes very well with this segment here. Yeah, right. Definitely. And And it kind of makes me wonder, you know, like with all these productions getting ready to start up, all of these productions are going to have to have some type of COVID insurance oh, wow. policy yeah, for right, all right. of the actors yeah. and the crew. Yeah. And that's shit, man. That's dozens, maybe hundreds of people. Right. Yeah. Right. So if, you, if you're a small filmmaker, you know, like a, a local filmmaker um, that's trying to make a short film, you know, like how would you get around that? Would, I mean, I guess you could make people sign a contract that if they got sick, they won't sue. Yeah. Like a the waiver. filmmaker that, yeah, some type of waiver or something like that. But yeah, that's right. the other thing, too. I feel like. Whoever goes first, like I know that Tyler Perry is supposed to start production soon, if not already. And I know that other production companies are trying to figure out and networks are trying to figure out, you know, what would be the safest way to shoot. Right. You know, uh, but there's got to be something there so that the networks as well as the production companies are insured as well as protected against lawsuits. Uh, right. <laughs> right. I mean, shit, I'm, I'm thinking Disney doing a $300 million MCU movie. How many thousands of people are in on that? And how many thousand, right. I mean, and they can't, they're not, they can't go, don't sue us if you get COVID. I mean, hell, they could. It still wouldn't matter in terms of uh, the, the equipment, the unions, everything involved. Right. Whether well, people agree to it or not, they're still looking at potentially doubling the budget. They, they, they pretty much have to bank their entire budget yeah. just to put against the film itself. Right. Well, we're we're seeing the prototype of this though with what the sports leagues are doing now. Where I just saw where the 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 NFL football players union just signed a deal with the NFL to go forward with the games in uh, summer camp and so forth. Because I guess they worked out a deal. Yeah, something that involves zero preseason games and all that. Well, zero, like zero preseason games. They wanted like uh, they get, they're going to have daily testing for two weeks and certain certain safety precautions. And they're allowing some players to opt out if they think it's too dangerous. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, I think okay. with the, especially with Hollywood, I think it's like a certain point as long as they meet certain safety precautions, they can then say, "Well, we met our standard. You still took the risk to come work for us because." I know a lot of actors. They're saying they're achy. They're they're going to get back to work. Yeah, yeah. everybody. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I know they said they're going to take temperature checks, but I'm wondering if they also need to take um, an oxygen 
check as well, because Mm. I saw this really interesting story about how this nursing director at a nursing home saved uh, a bunch of patients by checking the oxygen gauge you know, that they clip on your finger or yeah, your Yeah, your, your blood oxygen level. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. By checking that first rather than checking someone's temperature, right. they were able to get people who already started to get sick. They already, they were able to save those people because they were going with one test versus another. And there was a lady that they interviewed and she said that who looked too young to be in a nursing home. But she said, she said that if they hadn't done that, I would have been dead. Oh, wow. Yeah. You start, you start dropping into like the high eighties and stuff. There's a problem. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We need to be hitting it on all levels uh, and wearing masks and maybe just not making any fucking movies. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Until, until we have a vaccine. But, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to live, though. I'm not your mom, you know. Uh, yeah. But then, again, uh, I kind of feel like I need to be. It's, it's, it's yeah, <laughs> you know. It's like a bunch yeah. of Hollywood. A bunch of Hollywoods want to go out and make a big-ass Hollywood. Then who am I to stop them? But at the same time, the amount of contact to people they're coming in, 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 in into with. Uh, I know. Man, I let's know. just get that vaccine out there. The, mm-hmm. Maybe a new president. For Christmas, and, uh, yeah, that too. All of that, and 2021 can be uh, a fresh start. Okay, so so what all are we covering in the second annual annual? Hey, uh, you know that Mark and I uh, do a podcast. We do, and it's amazing. Oh, fun. Yes. Well, thank you. I'm touched. Thanks. I'm touched. Adam. Uh, who has been, uh, I mean, really, there was a while there that you were keeping the show on life support with WTLK being released in the main Thunder Talk podcast stream. And now here you are, member of ESO. Uh, oh, are, we're all members of ESO now. Yay! Hooray! And this awesome. is like three shows all in a show, like three host members all in one show. Beth Kavika with your Twitch going. You know what? I uh, it was a couple weeks back. I jumped on Beth's Twitch account. It's like it's like you remember the video game Rock Band and, and Guitar Hero. Yeah, Twitch sings. Twitch sings. You can download it for free, and you can play it with the kids because it has a gang load of Disney songs. But it doesn't have like a bunch of Tori Amos. Uh, there is, no. Isn't there Tori Amos? Isn't there's much. two Tori Amos songs, I think. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Neither of them are Hey Jupiter or Raspberry Swirl, no. which no. from the Choir Girl Hotel is my favorite Tori Amos album, which is a way controversial position to have on the subject. Anyway, okay. check out Beth's Twitch. Yeah. Thunder Talk is like the Super Friends, yo. Thunder Talk <laughs> is like is like the Justice League. Or yeah. the Avengers, which is cooler. It's where we all come together. No, yeah. It's where we assemble. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> so oh. does that make Zoom our fortress of solitude? Um, I uh, mean. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or, or the Avengers Mansion. Hall of Justice, Stark Tower. It's Stark Tower, right. Yeah. Didn't Wanda the, um, didn't she blow up the, the mansion a while ago? <laughs> Yeah. The old Avengers mansion. You know, she kind of went crazy and caused a lot of problems. And She did pretty much just verbalize mutants out of existence at one point. So, right. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. She, she can do anything. 
Yeah. I think this is the thunder school for the goofy. No, for real. This is our nerd shit right here. This is our nerd shit. <laughs> being being on this is our nerd shit on lockdown. <laughs> no, for real. Nerd shit. Director of nerd shit. Adam is the director of nerd shit. You got any nerd shit? You directed it, Adam. And I directed out there. Yeah, remember when like the whole the, the entire premise of the show was going to be comic books and sports. No, no bullshit. Like that was the, the that, that that was that was the premise. Yeah, that was our first take, our first shot at the. the... <laughs>ever wonder why there are 24-hour kid networks? In my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, I write about how Saturday morning became a competitive business and the proving ground for what would become the 24-hour kid network. My book covers the big bang of the 1960s explosion of high ratings to the early digital age of Saturday morning's last hurrah, the 1990s. You can purchase my book by going to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com and I will ship you a signed copy. Thunder Talk exclusive. <laughs> we are here with a singer songwriter and uh, should I say uh, fellow California expatriate <laughs> Dwayne Mark out of Austin, Texas. Yes, sir. Uh, coming to us courtesy of Chicken Farm Entertainment. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure, Dwayne. I turned on to your current album, and I have to say I'm uh, definitely a fan. First, though, I want to get into you. You, uh, you, you'd made a statement that your brand, your sound, you would, you would call it uh, Americinda. <laughs> yeah, we, what's, uh, what's up with that? I had a guitar player that I was working with a few years back who, who said what many people say, and that he's like, "Well, I can't call you country music. I can't really call you folk music. I can't call you Americana." Right. And he's like, "I think I'm just going to call it Americinda." And I just laughed and thought that was funny. And it just stems from that idea that we don't really have a home in a genre, if you will. And sure. we just make American roots-based music. And every uh, everything we like always has a slogan. So we're going to go with that one. Excellent. No, I, I would I would go full court press with that one. <laughs> you know, one of the tracks that jumped out at me was One-Eyed King. Yeah. And... Uh, with that, you've you've got your folk fiddle going, guitar, but there's an electric bass happening, and and I mean, am I wrong? But was that a xylophone? Uh, actually, it is a it is a toy piano for a child, like literally. A toy. Okay, from that would have been came my... from a Toy R Us. <laughs> Toys R Us. Yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. That would have been like my second and a half guess. <laughs> you you have all of those kind of kind of swirling in this uh, building up in like this almost like melancholy like march, and figuratively speaking. It's fucking metal. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 just it's it's droning. It's awesome, and just looking at the the arrangement you have that, that you're, you're working with while taking us there, would would you say that that's a good example of uh, of Americinda? Absolutely. And and if I was to put a an idea behind the the little kitschy phrase there, it's I write the music based on how the lyrics feel. You know, right. I, I love that. And and when I started writing One Eyed King. Um, it was about, I don't know, I don't want to say betrayal, but trying to ho- swallow the hard pill of sometimes there's people who have more success than you for no good reason at all. And uh, yeah, right. you just try to stay the course and do what's right. And, and that's an intense feeling. So I think it required some intense music to go with it. If you should want
I want to I want to talk about the album itself. Uh, the title is uh, "A Letter to My Friends," uh, produced and engineered along with Scott McEwen. Yeah, this is your third album. What uh, what would you say separates this or evolves this from your previous work? Time. <laughs> there it is. A You're lot right. of time. Uh, we took a collection of songs in 2013 and, and put out that first record. And it was right. kind of all over the board. Didn't really know where to go with it as it was the you know the first venture as Dwayne Mark, if you will. And right. uh, came back very quickly a year and a half later. And in 2015, launched... The Land of Opportunities and Sorrows record, which had a little bit more focused feel and sound. It was kind of more of the, I don't know, folky vibe type of stuff. And right. some of it leaning a little bit more heavily country. Sure. And then, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't feel like doing anything more after that. And we just kept playing on the road, beating those wheels off of the vehicles that we own and putting, you know, tons of hours and miles out there playing shows to fans that were amazing to us. Obviously playing some shows where there was three people there and shows where there was 300 people there. But right. uh, during the course of that time, I just started to write songs again without a particular direction. What was fun about this was when we went in to finally start recording demos in January of 2019, uh, I took 25 songs into the studio and oh, wow. started fleshing those out. We took 18 of those 25, the three of us that toured together, Tim V playing upright bass and Sarah Gwendolyn playing the fiddle. Uh, we sat down and, and demoed out 18 of those songs and then took those to Scott McEwen to work with him in the actual studio and record. We actually wound up recording 16 of those tracks and those 10 that are on A Letter to My Friends are what really felt cohesive, not just in the music styles, but the the thought process and content behind the writing as I started to see that all come together, it really occurred to me, like, I wrote these songs because of situations with people that I really appreciate and love in my life. Oh, wow. That's that's beautiful. I probably shouldn't be saying this publicly, but <laughs> those other six songs are due uh, out on an EP early next year. And that is Ooh. called A Letter to My Enemies. <laughs> oh, can't wait. F -f 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 -wow. <laughs> Heard it here first, everybody. Be, be on the lookout next year. Now, uh, there's another track that jumped out at me. Please Don't Grow. Uh, addresses violence against women uh, in a very haunting, very haunting way. Could you tell me a bit more about the, the second vocalist on that track and, and kind of do a deeper, deeper dive into that one? Yeah, that's a, kind of a unique story. As you said, it's, it's a song not just about domestic violence, but just about how we twist up the idea of love and we do horrible things to each other. Male, female, exactly. doesn't matter. Right. Um, and, and yes, that crux of that story is based on a man taking that out on a woman. Right. I searched for about six months to have the right vocalist do that with me. Uh, probably about three weeks before we went in to do the final vocal tracking on it, I heard my life partner, Chandra Brill, singing that song to herself on the couch. And I was just like... She's been here right under my nose the whole time. Like, why Why wouldn't we do this together? This is so perfect. Right. And the way she sang it sounds so feeble. Like, it's it it, right. it just, I don't know, it sounds scared to me. And I, I don't think that could have been any more beautiful and poetic in the performance itself. Such a long time and was proud. 
tonight, we're going to be playing for everybody a track called Alone Again. Yeah. What's up with that? I tend to write things rather thematically. Um, you know, for longtime fans, if they were to listen, they can make a lot of tiebacks to the previous two records and some other uh, singles and EPs that we've released. Um, for instance, A Letter to My Friends and A Letter to My Enemies is a throwback to that first record, Friends and Enemies. Um, right. Alone Again is kind of the extension of the last track from the second record. Oh, fascinating. I was in a really dark place when I wrote that uh, last track to that second record. If you go back and listen to that, it's pretty intense and, like I said, just kind of dark. has a little right. bright spot in it. Uh, we thought about doing a music video. We started recording the video footage for that music video, and it just got more and more depressing, so <laughs> I decided huh. never to release it. Right. Um, but the song Alone Again was a follow-up to that. It was okay. from a different perspective in my life and realizing that that hope of getting back to the things you love is sometimes what keeps you going. And it doesn't always work out right, and sometimes it seems up, you know, up against the wall type of feelings but at the end of the day when we have those those beautiful things in mind that we can get to go home to whatever those are whether those are loved ones or a place that you need to be or in some cases even being on that stage for me uh it makes it all worth it and it makes it so that you can continue to battle through those those dark places where can everybody find you out there on the social medias? How can how can people find you? How can they give you money in exchange for your music? How can they support you? <laughs> the web address itself is a is a story from a long time ago, but it's just I hate com. That's I hate <laughs> D-U-A-N-E-M-A-R-K.com. We uh we we've always Love been it. Love it. Uh, folks that have fun with branding, just like the Americinda sure. idea. And uh this is something that a friend came up with, I don't know, seven, eight years ago now. And so right. we've stuck there, but we can find that music available anywhere. Anywhere we we have uh, our own web store that has uh, anything from vinyl records and T-shirts to koozies and shot glasses. Um, if you're into Spotify or iTunes, we're all over those platforms. Every little bit that comes through to us helps. Um, obviously, things like YouTube are really big for us as well. We we constantly are trying to to build that viewership and listenership so that it continues to get the word out there and we get to keep doing what we love and hopefully uh, touching some people's lives along the way. Off the new album, A Letter to My Friends, this is Dwayne Mark, Alone Again. This is a game I'll never win 
I sort of want to circle back to wrestling, something that Adam said about, you know, contracts. So back in the day, there was the CW, WCW, was it? Yep. Correct oh, yeah. me if I'm wrong. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they were, you know, they were around. And one time they had like this special appearance at my place of work. And there was a wrestler named Disco Inferno. I don't know if anyone remembers oh, him. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you guys should look him up, you know. But uh <laughs> anyway, it was Disco Inferno and it was sort of like these cheerleader wrestler girls with him and they were giving us all autographs of themselves and you know, signing pictures. I mean, cell phones weren't really around, well they were, but um nobody was taking selfies. But Disco freaking Inferno looked like he was hung over and it was so obvious in his contract, he had to give out autographs and, and be at this event. But you can tell that he was not really into it. Huh. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, because like I said, I felt like he was, you know, sort of like um, recovering <laughs> <laughs> from the night before. But he was tanned and he was all built and muscular and muscles were popping out of muscles everywhere. And I was just like, wow. So this dude is in really great shape. But, you know, I said the outside looked great, but hmm, the personality was a whole nother story, yeah, was, you know? Was, yeah. Right. Now, was this uh, late 80s WCW or sometime during the 90s? According, it was like 95 to 2001. I just looked him up. Yeah, he was. Uh... Yeah. So it was it was I want to say it was around 2001. Okay, that's during uh, WCW's final year before they got bought up by Vince McMahon. So he was probably not in the best working conditions at the time, too. (laughs) (laughs) So the other little little, uh, dirty secret about some of those wrestlers was that supposedly a lot of them were also working as strippers over at Swinging Richards. Swinging Richards. These must be like the local shows or something. I just, I'm sorry. I just, I just feel like we need to pause for a moment on that. <laughs> this is like slowly turning into an expose on the NWO. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you can see Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Hollywood Hogan just like in a little something else. Yeah. So you're saying the Godfather wasn't uh, wasn't putting on the act when he would show up on the show or something. <laughs> <laughs> Someone like Disco Infernal, someone at his level wouldn't be at Swinging Richards, obviously, but it was for those wrestlers, the up and coming wrestlers that had not made a name for themselves that, you know, maybe needed a little extra cash, right? you know, to uh, fill their pockets or, you know, their Speedos. Yeah, right. (laughs) Adam, what's going on with this man? And where's this swinging Richard so we could stop by one day just for it? Uh, it's, it's in Atlanta. <laughs> We've been to Atlanta. We could find you. Yeah, because WCW, I think they were based in Atlanta, you know. Um, yeah, it was all yeah. part of uh, the Turner. Um, yeah, Ted Turner bought them in the late 80s. Yeah. But before that, they were the NWA Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Territory. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Hey, kids, if you want to get your favorite WCW rookie autograph, head on down to, to Swinging Richards. <laughs> That would probably be where the big South independent wrestlers would be. Bring your dad or your mom. Mm-hmm. Just bring lots of ones. So Swinging Richards is like the second city of WCW is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, good. Everyone got that reference. I'm happy. Yes. <laughs> mm, yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, that was that was the story. And you know, definitely people who were you know a little bit beyond just stripping. You know, you can tell they were buff and athletic, and that they definitely had another day job. So. Hey, I learned how to fence, and all, and all I have to do is learn how to sail, and I will be a pirate. And she drinks rum. And I drink I got some great rum today. It's Hell like, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. I'm drinking it right now yeah. in my cup with my Sonic drink. I'm still drinking scotch, but, you know, it was good rum. I had a glass. Robert Goulet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, DragCon, everybody. Uh... That's where this show came from. Standing in line, 2018, Star Trek Discovery panel. I and Nerdless are first in line. Beth and Kavika are the uh, fourth and fifth person in line. And at first, there's a super hour-long passive-aggressive, don't-make-eye-contact-but-body-shuffle turf battle between the two (laughs) camps. Mainly between Kavika and I, at least in my fucking head. I, okay. I, 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 I was drinking scotch. I just turned my back on the asshole and, so, and made the rest, <laughs> made the entire rest of the line was on my side and my best friends. But then I was like, you know what? But then you were just like, hey, brother. And I was like, what's up, bro? Like she what's was Hulk up? Hogan. No, yeah. you were you were completely like just flopped yourself. Just like we're going to be friends. And I was just like. Fucking A, man. Fucking A, dude. Just, we just completely were just like right on, you know? And you know. we were sitting next to each other for that panel. And then afterwards, and then we got back together. And I mean, anyway, then, yeah, look at us. Dragon Con. Yeah, well, look at us now. I say all the time that everyone is Kavika's friend that she just hasn't met yet. Because she can talk to anyone and you don't. I haven't met anyone that immediately is like, mm, I don't like her. Like everybody loves her. And I was even saying this weekend, Kavika is kind of like loud and I didn't use the term obnoxious. I can't remember what term I use, but it's like Kavika's kind of loud and in your face, but in like a charming, endearing way. And people love her for it. You know, that's a hundred thousand percent true. Kavika uh, will eat you. Kavika will burn your fucking house down if Kavika <laughs> feels like she needs if to. If you mess with me, she's not yeah. with that, and she will like murder your soul. In in a in a in a crowd of a hundred thousand people, god damn it, you you are in the top one fucking percent in terms of I control within like four meters I... of me. <laughs> well, I mean, I I do exude a certain aura of authority um, whenever I need to get through any particular place. And with Dragon Con, there's a lot of massive bodies. And I, you know, I just, this is my space. If you would like to enter my space, you do so at your own peril. (laughs) (laughs) You're a fucking shark, okay? (laughs) I swear to God, man, if this were, if we had to go back 40,000 years, Kavika would be in charge of like at least 150 mile radius. No less. Well, I, I would, in I terms would... of the mammoths that you ate, you know, in terms of where you can build a hut. I, I mean, 
I, I, I do like to create my own tribe. <laughs> am I wrong, Beth? It, Beth, am I wrong? Know. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Kavika's not really a follower unless she just has to be. When she's following, she's lying, okay? <laughs> and she's looking for that moment to slice your calf muscle and watch you flounder. <laughs> She doesn't need to, she doesn't need to drop a rock on your head. You'll you'll just you'll drown in your own blood in the next thirty six <laughs> hours. She just she's not going anywhere. I mean endurance, right? That's the name of the game. <laughs> Targets of opportunity. Know yourself. Hey man, you know Dragon Con is hey, Dragon Con yeah. is a it you know so you you do you have some sharks in there but it's full of a lot of fish, right? It's a whole <laughs> it's a whole ocean ecosystem. And if you aren't a shark, you're waiting to be eaten. So, <laughs> no, I was like a mako clinging on to you. And I'm like, no, man, I, if, fuck if anything, that. And you're like, no, Dan, fuck you. We've got an itinerary. <laughs> you know, hey, right? Yeah, pretty much. You just gotta get behind me, and I will get us there. That's and, straight you know, up, dude. That's and, real. And it just, I mean, I will clear the path, and people choose to. You know, getting their, my way or not. Most of them choose not to. Oh, I just leaned in and just paneled up like a motherfucker. Like we would pass each other I and know. you would, you would yell at each other like, yeah! you would, hey! you would fucking think <laughs> that given what we are and who we are, friends and, you know, all that stuff, that if we're passing in a crowd, it'd be like we'd stop and be like, whoa, let's squat up for like five minutes. Nope. No time for that, man. <laughs> no. Well, there's a flow to traffic, too. Where you can't just stop in the one-way flow of traffic. You can't just get over there. They're in a different one-way flow of traffic. So you'd be like stopping in the middle of a stream and shit breaks, you know, when that oh, happens. Oh, it'd, like, so, it'd be like pulling off to the to the left on a freeway. Yeah, it's a, it's a mistake. That shit just ain't done. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I dig it. I dig it. The next time that we all go together, we need to have like some type of matching outfit and i'm i'm for like the full tracksuit you know that'd be awesome you know like kind of like a russian tracksuit and that'd be hilarious but you know maybe just a t-shirt labor day weekend i'm not wearing a whole <laughs> that's ass true tracksuit. it is labor day weekend so yeah but if, be... if you're talking about a russian tracksuit then i'm talking like a ton of fake gold so i'm down i'll sweat i'll sweat for that i'll sweat for that yeah <laughs> i'm drew leiter and I'm Cletus Jacobs. And we're here on the station surviving the coronavirus. Since you guys are probably quarantined there down on Earth, we'll let you know uh, we got DC news, comics, television shows we're going to be talking about every week. Come join us every week on the Earth Station DCU podcast here on the ESO Network. <laughs> Today, Thursday, July 30th, we celebrated the life and mourned the passing of Representative John Robert Lewis, 1940 to 2020. We would like for you to spare a moment uh, for Mark and I to, to discuss the life and legacy of John Lewis. Mark. We lost a huge civil rights hero, a real hero. You know, I think about my personal life and my career, 
And everything that I have in my life right now, that would not have been possible if civil rights fighters like John Lewis wasn't out there fighting for my future, fighting for me to work at a major corporation, right? Uh, fighting for me to live in a neighborhood that I want to live in, you know, fighting for me to be able to have a chance in life, you know? Right. He was on the front lines of the civil rights battle. And I think that, you know, someone like myself and other black and brown people and women also in general uh, have a lot to thank John Lewis for his, his hero, his courage and his stamina and just being a great person. Oh, absolutely. It really can't be overstated enough what we've lost. What I found fascinating it was his his getting into politics, his his running for office, becoming a congressman, and and taking the fight to the inside. That's a pretty amazing that um, that he made the decision to do that and and won and continued to win right. and continue to stay and and be able to enact changes. Yeah, yeah. What was fascinating is uh, his uh, his his sentiment towards the what we call the civil rights era was that certainly all involved all organizations all parties all people need to be remembered their names need to be remembered and celebrated but beyond that he felt that you know between 1953 to 1973 in our history books should be referred to as the American nonviolence era oh absolutely it definitely should be referred to that. And, you know, and I think that's part of the issue in general with everything that's going on right now. It's kind of interesting, you know, that someone like John Lewis, you know, has passed away at this particular time because I kind of feel like the way that things are going right now, we're sort of revisiting that whole nonviolent era again. Oh, absolutely. And to be perfectly honest, as much progress as these great leaders of the civil rights movement, as many changes as they have made, you know, a lot of things have not changed. And I think part of that issue is because people are just not educated. Absolutely. You know, like a lot of black history is not even taught in, in the schools. Nope. Nope. So if you don't know about all the injustices and all the things that went on, or, or as well as, you know, the fact that a black man invented the, the elevator. How are you going to get a well-rounded view about what black people are all about? In, in schools, I think what you learn is Abraham Lincoln made everything better. Dr. Martin Luther King made everything better again. And right. uh, George Washington Carver invented peanut butter. <laughs> I used to keep a, a paper in my cube. That just had all the African-American inventors, all the things that Black people invented. It's just as a way to keep myself positive. If I was having a bad day, I would look at that list and just be reminded that all the people on that list probably had it a lot worse than me. And I just needed to suck it up and just be inspired by the list and just continue to go on. Oh, wow. Wow. So... Speaking of the work that needs to be done, I, I'm going to reference the Reverend James Lawson, speaking as a longtime friend of Representative Lewis, 
to paraphrase, the fight has always been against racism, sexism, and plantation capitalism versus a truly constitutional society. And to allow space for the new earth, the new heaven, to emerge. Getting back to what you were saying, how there's still so, so, so much work to be done. You know, mm-hmm. and the struggle, you know, continues beyond John Lewis with Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, the current protests, voter suppression, equal education right. and employment, which right. definitely needs to be addressed uh, as we fight for a... Um, for a more perfect union. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of interesting that term, plantation capitalism. Yeah, so it's a historical fact that slaves helped build this country. And I think when people don't understand like the whole Black Lives Matter or why Black Lives Matter, again, they're not getting the full picture. You know, I think from other people's perspective is like, what are you guys always complaining about? I don't understand what the big deal is, you know, because they don't, they really don't know. Now, it's one thing to really not know, but it's the other thing to not want to know. Right. And so there's some of that too. And I think that's something that is an an American trait. Right, right. You know, like, well, we're going to throw some realism at you and People are like, oh, no, no, I can't take any realism. Um, I must uh, find a way to oppose it somehow. And that's, you know, why we can't go forward. I don't know if I ever shared this with you. My mom, she worked at uh, Bellevue Hospital right. back in the day. And Bellevue Hospital was like one of the most prestigious hospitals in New York, still is. They were like one of the first hospitals to come up with uh, a baby ward and they were like one of the first hospitals in the country to hire African American doctors. Right. And, uh, at one point I felt like half my family was employed there because my mom, huh. uh, f- finished her career there as a nurse. Um, uh, my grandmother worked there for a little while. My aunt and my brother worked there for a while oh, wow. as well. Yeah. So the hospital itself, I think was somewhat progressive. But I'm saying all this to say, at one point, my mom had a white coworker and they became, you know, quite chummy. And, you know, I think when my family was ready to purchase their second home Mm -hmm. and, you know, my mom was all concerned about the neighborhoods and, you know, this is before I was born, getting, you know, in the right neighborhood for educational reason for, you know, at least my older brothers at the time. And I guess some other personal goals that my mom shared with this coworker. Right. And the coworker just one day just said out loud what she probably should have kept to herself. But what she said was, oh my gosh, you're just like me. Huh. You want the best for your family. You want to live in a good neighborhood. You know, you want to get the best education for your kids. You know, like all of a sudden, you know, this white coworker had this epiphany. And my mom shared that story with me. But up until that point, I don't think that this coworker even saw my mom as an equal. Well, no. And, right. and, uh, until my mom started talking about goals that this coworker also had. And I guess she just didn't think that. A black person actually thought that way or would want some of the same things as, you know, uh, a white coworker would want. You know, it's just, you know, yeah, it's 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 
productive that her her coworker had that epiphany. Uh, I think we need to examine her worldview prior to to having that you know little moment of waking up. Right. The idea that uh, <laughs> you know not not being able to see the humanity in the other. Right. You know, being so right. shocked that wow, oh, you're also a human living in America <laughs> right now. Right, right, and that it's like you said. Uh, our schools need to really need to get get on point with with the truth of our history. Right, and you know, if you look at racism in this country, you can blame racism on the state of affairs right now because it's it's inherent. It's in our psyche. Okay, if you don't allow a group to get equal anything. They don't get equal job opportunities. They don't get great education. Everything, there's just all these constant brick walls being put up against them. Then guess what? You're going to have problems. That's the other thing that people don't understand. You know, it's, it's sort of like, it's almost like a dog chasing its tail. It's like, okay, you want to keep us all in jail and you don't want to give us opportunities to be great citizens, but yet at the same time, you complain when there's crime and carjacking and murders and shootings. Right, right. And as soon as those things come into your neighborhood, you want solutions. Well, part of the issue is that everything that is happening are things that were created by not allowing groups of people to be able to excel. Right. People want to blindly bitch about the symptoms with no regard to the disease itself. Right. Exactly. You know, you can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't keep a group of people down, but then expect everything to be perfect. It, like I said, dog chasing its tail. Right. And and I, and I think that, you know, at the end of the day, people know this, but it's sort of like, well, it's not my problem because it doesn't affect me. Right, right, and that comes with privilege. That comes with white privilege. The the right. the the blessings of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So, so there's that. Yeah. Well, you know, John John Lewis's famous quote in in regards to everybody standing up, everybody pushing back, everybody working for that change. Uh, don't ever ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble. Right. I look forward to the next time that we get all come together like that. Mm-hmm. I and you know, so we're going to just say like we will we're going to plan for next year, right? So 2021. Well, the official announcement's been made that Dragon Con will be online this year. And of course, we will buy our streaming thing and we will watch it on our 65 inch TV. And, you know, I'll still drink scotch. <laughs> My dream guest for 2021, Thunder Talk, because we're about to have t shirts, everybody, and like Woo! merch and shit. Woo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be a, yeah. So hopefully we are everybody's favorite, like most want to be seen 
you know, people at next year's Dragon Con. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think my I've I've talked about them before. I think my Dragon Con dream daddy would probably be Wes Chapman. You know, Chatham. Oh, bring back Wes Chatham. Uh, yeah, bring back Wes Chatham. Yep. Well, and because we got to meet him, so she yeah she gushed I mean, about him. Who is that? He's, he's on the Expanse. Yeah, he's on the Expanse. He plays the character Amos. I mean, it's on Amazon. It is a really, it's really well put together. I think it's, it's well done for sure. And, you know, and it definitely uh, echoes some dystopian things that you can see parallels with right now, even. Um, and it's just a really well done uh, series. Uh, it's well acted. And it what what I liked about Wes was that he was so uh, amiable to like meeting his fans or you know yeah. fans of the show and super everything. outgoing, and so, super personable, excited to be there and meet people. That is cool. Not like he yeah. should that shall not be named who Kavika <laughs> was not impressed with. <laughs> Carl Urban, Carl Urban, Carl Urban, fucking Carl, Carl Urban. Urban. <laughs> Just, he, His name is Coral City. Oh, okay. Oh God damn it! I I wish that he had even rural hadn't done dread because like he's a I hate he's a decent he's a decent actor. He's just an asshole as a human, right? So <laughs> I just I'm. St- I, you know what, Carl? If you're listening right now, I'm willing to give you a second chance, right? So please uh, meet me, uh, DragonCon 2021, uh, the Walk of Fame, and, you know, show up and try not to be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I don't I wouldn't say this is necessarily like a dream guest or thing, but something that I would love to see at the next Dragon Con live and in person is a Deep Space Nine reunion. Oh, yeah. Well, we've been watching Deep Space Nine again. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to see these guys. I want to see them live and in person. Um, Rene Aubergeonois. I don't think anybody has ever pronounced his name correctly, even himself. I'm just going to go on record not. as saying it. Odo. He passed away last year. It, it'd it be sad that he's not there, but it's like, if major characters from the show are, are dying in real life, it's time to bring all the kids back before we lose another one. Let's bring them all back. I want to see those guys. And plus, I did get to meet um, Armin Shimmerman. And I can't remember the the name of the actor that played his brother on the show. I got to meet the two of them together. They came to Trek Expo. You guys and Garrett Wong like all rent a, a summer cottage in the Hamptons together. You guys are pretty. That's tight. cool. <laughs> but man, Armin Shimmerman and the actor that played his brother they had a table together at Trek Expo when Trek Expo was a thing. R.I.P. Trek Expo. And they were so great and fun to talk to. And Aaron Eisenberg. It was great. Aaron Eisenberg. Yes. Those guys were great. Yeah. More people need to meet them. They're awesome. R.I.P. Aaron Eisenberg. <gasps> what? Treklanta. Mark. Mark and I met at Treklanta last year. And Aaron Eisenberg was the guest of honor. And he passed away like six weeks 
eight yeah. weeks after that. Yeah. So two 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 DS nine cast members are. Oh man, R.I.P. Yeah. I would also like to see a Voyager uh, reunion too, because man, I like those guys. There was too. one on the internet like a month ago. What? Yeah, but I the internet is great, but I'm talking about live in person, man. I mean, okay. I think what I said also has like merit, Beth. I mean, gosh. <laughs> Wait a minute. A Voyager reunion? Just Google the Voyager reunion. Uh, this last May 26th, it's called, uh, if you go to the YouTube channel called Stars in the House. Yeah, that's it. Um, they, it's And it's labeled uh, Star Trek Voyager reunion. It is uh, looks to be an hour long. So uh, we're totally going to watch that for sure. I'm, I'm going to put that. Uh, put a right, pin in that. Yeah, we're going to put a pin in that. We're going to um, we're going to save that. Yeah, it was good for stuff. Sure. Was, dude, even fucking Chakotay was there and he was asked one question. He and they, they cut him off before he had a chance to say a proper goodbye. It was perfect. <laughs> it was fucking perfect. dude. It was perfect. Sexy Thor, who do you want to see? Dragon Con. I want to see everybody in person again. Aww. I know, but is there and, and anyone then, specific that you hope that'll come out and be there? I mean, more famous than us. Oh, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> more famous than Mark McRae? What? You can't lose. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, I would like to meet Amy Garcia again because ever since then I've bought her comic Glow versus the Baby Face that has come out since then. So be awesome if I got her signature on like issue one. That'd be that'd be neato. Yeah, oh, I well, I mean, yeah, nice. good one, dude. Never one. know, Mark. Who would you like to see at Dragon Con? There was a guy there that um, Dan was also supposed to interview for ESO. Uh, he wrote a book about the magic of of Rankin Bass, you know, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer people, Frosty the Snowman. And I got a, a chance to talk to him last year just briefly. And he was like so super nice. And uh, I would just like to talk to him again and find out all of the Rankin Bass secrets and why they made certain decisions to do certain shows. And because he has all that information and, and I want it. So uh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's great. So that's who I would uh, definitely want to see again. I can't think of his name right now, unfortunately. The interview I did get, who I want to fucking see in 2021, Cybertronic Spree. I totally just, I fucking cried like three times at their concert. I mean, maybe it was one in the morning and it was a long con, but... It, it was a long day. Yeah, we were, <laughs> that we was, that was a long day. You guys all witnessed that I got a total of like maybe 11 hours of sleep between Wednesday and Monday. Yeah, Wednesday through, yeah. It yeah, was I was, I was conning, uh, I was conning for two, actually. <laughs> but... Even like two days before it was ending, you were running out of steam. You know, like you were getting toast. By Saturday, it was like, okay, on the battlefield, it's like when you see some war movies. It's like, yeah, a thousand yard stare. <laughs> Me 
you know, I'm a huge fan of TCM. Right. And, you know, I, I like when they do the beginning commentary and post commentary. And one of the things that they said was that Marilyn Monroe's contract stipulated that all her films needed to be shot in color. Oh, wow. How about that? Well, how about, I mean, Some Like It Hot? That's, that's, uh, Wheatley was pointing out, uh, during the pregame that that was black and white. Obviously, you know, she did the film and, uh, it was a great film. Uh, but I'm sure there had to be some coaxing behind the scenes for her to do this movie. Because I'm a star, because I'm only in color movies. I'm only in right. full panorama technicolor. Yeah, she's the future. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. this is during a time when all movies were not shot in color. You know, oh, no, black totally. and white was right. was still hanging on. Um, there was still somewhat of a, you know, a film noir um, a movement happening in films. Yeah, so, right. They were still bringing in Academy Awards. They were still making money. Oh, yeah. Right. It's funny you bring you bring up the Academy Awards because I think for a while, now I don't know if it's the Academy Awards or the Golden Globes, but one of those award shows, you would get awarded like Best Picture Black and White oh. or oh, Best man. Picture Color. Oh, that's that's so very very fair. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. I guess because she was really a a musical comedy star, right? She wanted to hold on to that image, right? Or, or maybe she didn't like the way she photographed in black and white. I don't know. Yeah. She looked great in something like it hot. So I don't know what, it, what that was about. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, well, Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis were in it and they were at the top of their game at the time. And I guess they weren't exactly slumming is what I'm trying to say. And right. from what I understand, she had to be convinced to be in the movie. Wasn't like she really wanted to do it. I think there were some behind the scenes things going on with Marilyn at her home studio and maybe she wanted to get out of a contract maybe she didn't think that the movie would help her maybe she felt the movie would help jack lemon and tony curtis i'm not exactly sure jack lemon tells this great story because billy wilder was the director of the film one of the great movie directors at the time and uh, he says working with marilyn monroe on set it drove him nuts because she would forget her lines and flub them half the time and at one point he said I could hire my 80-year-old Aunt Edna to do this part because she can at least remember her lines. <laughs> and then a few months later, when he's in the editing booth, Jack Lemmon visit, went to visit. He's watching her. He's watching him put the film together. And Billy Wire goes, you know, I said I could have got my Aunt Edna, but who would want to watch my Aunt Edna in a film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, right. At the end of the day, it's still Marilyn yeah. Monroe. <laughs> it took a while to get those shots, but when they got them, they were classics. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. But I don't know if I can only shoot my films in color is necessarily a smart contract because you could be missing out on great opportunities like Some Like It Hot. Oh, yeah. You know? Didn't Elizabeth Taylor, didn't she do uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf after Cleopatra? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, she was also nominated for an Oscar for that role, too. Right. Cleopatra, she didn't want to do. To me, that it wasn't a great film, and it, it, right. it flopped, and it almost bankrupt the studio. And it was almost like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf being done in black and white. I kind of feel like that was the right direction to go in. I think like by the mid to late 60s, you really started seeing the trend where black and white films were sort of going out and right. and producers or studios would make the decision to shoot in black and white just to save some money. In the case of Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, I'm sure they got their salaries up front or they were going to take a percentage of the uh, 
you know, the gross profits oh, after sure. the movie came out. Yeah. Um, but it was also a cheaper way to go and to give the film some credibility. I don't know. I kind of feel like that film wouldn't have been the same in color, in my opinion. No, it wouldn't have been. Know. It wouldn't have been. Oh, you're right. And so you're saying that they probably worked for scale and points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. which, you know, a lot of stars kind of slept on that. I mean, it's the sure. standard now for, you know, someone like Will Smith to make a film and get all the back end stuff and take a, uh, you know, well, it's actually the best of both worlds. He can get a, a fat 20 million per picture deal, which also includes the back end. But back in the day, a lot of stars didn't understand the math of how that worked. And a lot of them wanted their money up front. Right. Whereas some stars started to, or actors started to take, you know what? I work for scale. Give me back end. Right. And a lot of times, if the movie was successful, they actually made more money than the actor that took the money up front. But nowadays, you can you can have both, you know, which is cool. Well, the first actor who did the back-end deal was Jimmy Stewart for the movie uh, Winchester 76. Have you, anyone ever seen that? Uh, no, I haven't. It's a Western, uh, right? Oh, it's a classic Western. It's, it's almost like this, weird, it's like this weird thing where it's about a Winchester rifle that keeps passing hands throughout this territory and how different characters use it for different reasons and so forth. But yeah, it's a very classic Western. And after Jimmy Stewart signed that contract after he got back from serving in World War II, and he said, now I'll take net points instead, like I said, to keep the upfront budget cost down because everyone was coming from the war. But he said he ended up having his best paycheck ever from that movie by doing that. So Yeah, you know, the movie, um, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, classic with Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, Joan Crawford actually made more money than Betty Davis from that film because she took the points and Betty Davis wanted her money up front. Right. You know, mm. and when the movie became a blockbuster, Joan Crawford ended up making a lot more money, like double whatever oh, damn. Betty Davis made. So that was a, so, that was a, that was a point know. to Joan Crawford. Right. It's like, well, you got the nomination, but I made the money. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> so that's pretty mm. cool. Still a gamble, though. Oh, yeah. Still a gamble. I mean, that film would have to be successful. Alec Guinness, I think, has the best story about you getting points on the back end. He was approached for this nonsense called Star Wars. <laughs> that his it was his agent that really pushed him into like, dude, you got to work with this Lucas kid. You know, he's what's hot right now. Alec Guinness had many times in the past worked for scale and worked for points because he believed in the project. He believed in the art. And you know, he would do, you know, also real, really big budget stuff in order to pay the bills. But, but he said he had never made a dime working for scale, working for points. But Alec Guinness ended up getting almost like 2% of Star Wars. And Whoa. it's to this day. Alec Guinness gets, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, the family is still receiving money. 2% oh, yeah. on, on Star Wars. Now, did you know that uh, Steven Spielberg gets a cut of Star Wars too? No, I didn't know that. No, because you know, him and George Lucas are best friends, and he reportedly told Stephen, "Can can you do me a favor? Let's trade a point." What do you mean? He goes like, I'll, "You give me a point for your Close Encounters movie coming out, and I'll give you a point for my Star Wars movie coming out." And oh. Spielberg, <laughs> who was set after Jaws, was like, "Sure, I'll do a favor for a friend." And he right. says in the interview, "Close Encounters, by the way, was the best paycheck I ever got to that during for that time, but I did okay with that Star Wars movie too." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, by default though, George Lucas gets a point off of Close Encounters, so we made a little money there as well. So it's but yeah. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Mark McRae, and I am so happy and proud 
to let everyone know that we have a brand new spanking awesome creative commercial. Oh yeah, I know we're with the ESO network now. Uh, you'll hear us be bragging about that for a minute. And this is the network commercial that we did. We're going to play right. it for you and don't, it's okay. It's okay. If you want to hit that 30 second skip ahead button, you're going to hear this commercial <laughs> in every goddamn episode of Thunder Talk from now until the sun explodes. <laughs> so here it is. Three, two, one. What will you do when your child asks? What were Saturday morning cartoons? What were Saturday morning cartoons? What's wrong with you? Or will you handle it the right way? Sit down, baby girl. Let me introduce you to my friend, Mark McRae. Join Dan Clink and I on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast as we take a unique behind-the-scenes look at the history and dynamics of animation with plenty of laughs along the way. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a proud member of the ESO Network. I know who Kavika wants to see at the next Dragon Con live and in person. I know who. There are two people she wants to see and get autographs from. David Weber and Brandon Sanderson. Yes, that's true. They're both really wonderful authors. Um, David Weber wrote uh, this like Honorverse series uh, and with like the main character of uh, Honor Harrington. And then, of course, uh, Brandon Sanderson has uh, just come onto the scene. Well, not just come onto the scene, but he has taken over the scene of like huge like science fiction or more like fantasy writing. And um, he's a pretty big deal. He so. kind of filled the hole that Robert Jordan left. Absolutely. He he studied at at the altar of Robert Jordan and actually whenever Robert Jordan passed away, uh, he was hired as the writer to finish writing the, uh, the last book in the series. The Wheel of Time. The Wheel of Time. Yeah. 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 There is a convention that takes place in Atlanta every year. It's all around Wheel of Time. It's called Jordan Con. Oh, yeah. So I, I did it for the last two years and, um, it's pretty good convention. Um, a lot of science fiction writers are there. What was interesting was that they also announced that Amazon had acquired the rights to the Wheel of Time books. Mm-hmm. And they said that once that were to happen, um, no more of the books would be published. You know, because I think Amazon was like, well, we'll own Wheel of Time. And if we want to put out a book based on the, on the TV series or a movie, we'll do that. So they pretty much own wheel of time and so whoever owned it or you know maybe robert jordan's wife or the family they kind of yeah it was the family mm-hmm. that owned yeah. it. yeah and i'm pretty sure it was the family that chose brandon sanderson to finish writing oh wow the, the last book that's pretty cool they had all of his notes mm-hmm. and everything and then like this is what he wanted to happen. That is cool. So, that is really cool. It's interesting whenever you find out things about, you know, different artists that you really mm-hmm, like and mm-hmm. stuff and that you just never knew. Right, right. It's, it's kind of like, I'm sure that motherfucking Carl Urban <laughs> is a DC. 
he's a decent human. And if I knew him on a personal level, you know, whenever he met me and my wife, you know, we're just some nobodies talking, you know, like, hey, you know, I just like to tell you, we enjoyed your movies. And, you know, yeah, like and, uh, two in a million con goers, two in a million con goers and two con goers that didn't spend a hundred dollars on a signed portrait. So, you know, like don't have time for us. Yeah, but then there's like the rever- what I call the the reverse uh celebrity issue where a celebrity is actually seeking out attention. So, I I don't know if you remember this show it was called New York Undercover and uh it was about these, you know, detectives and there was a guy, uh, an actor named Malik Yoba who was like the lead actor in it. And, and this was before cell phones and everything, you know, him and his girlfriend, they went into this restaurant and my best friend and his girlfriend were in there and everybody in the restaurant lost their minds over this dude because the show was at the height of its popularity at the time. And even my friend who never watched one freaking single episode of New York Undercover was like, hey, man, I like your work. You do good work on that show. And I'm just like, why? Why did you say that? He goes, I don't know, Mark. I got caught up in the moment. (laughs) Anyway, so he's leaving the restaurant and he stops and he comes back and he says to my friend's girlfriend, why didn't you say anything like about his work and his popularity? And she let him have it with both barrels between the eyes. She goes, well, first of all, I don't think you're a good actor. And second of all, you're always taking your shirt off and my man body is better than yours and third of all by the time that show is over no one's going to care about you and Malik Yoba's girlfriend is hearing all this and she's just kind of slowly backing up and walking away and (laughs) and he didn't know what to say he did not know what to say because it wasn't what he was expecting but I say it serves him right for trying to fish for compliments yeah you know I mean how much attention do you need you know it's like you were nice and gracious and gave out autographs and talked to people and one person didn't give you the attention you felt should have given you the attention. And now <laughs> you want to come yeah, back you, and, you and fish for compliments. I just thought it was the craziest thing. I also wonder if his reaction would have been different if she would have been the one to say something and it would have been a man who didn't say anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. I don't know. So it, this kind of this just takes me back to one of the reasons why LS, I really enjoyed my our conversation with uh, West Chapham or Chapham or Ch- Chapham. Chapham Chatham Chatham. Super enjoyed it because he was so down to earth, so approachable, knew the content in which uh, we were talking about like he he knew these books right that is great and, and he wanted to play this character he sought out to play this character and so he didn't it, think that they would cast him in that role yeah. and he was just a, a a really solid dude and um and that kind of energy it just like brings you closer to the character that they're trying to play but also like you're like oh i'm really glad that this nice person is a part of this kind of thing yeah and whenever somebody is is not gracious and and all that you're like oh man i don't really like this person it's it's kind of disappointing and it kind of like it's disappointing 
You know what? You know what? Welcome to Hollywood, kid. Okay. <laughs> I had a similar yeah. fan uh, interaction with the actor that played Tom Paris from Voyager. He was at oh, uh, yeah. Treklanta, and he was super nice and super funny. He had two panels at Treklanta, and I, I, I went to the second one. He goes, all right, we don't got to stick to the script. What do you guys want to talk about? You know, anything. The door is open. You know, whatever you want to talk about. And he said later that he prefers smaller conventions because he said that they're a lot more intimate and fans relax and, you know, you have some really great discussions. That, I, that definitely describes Treklanta. Definitely. And after the panel was over, he still stuck around to talk to us about stuff. Like, he, you know, it wasn't like... Uh, because one of the things I did hear about the Star Trek cruise is that, you know, a lot of the celebrities, you know, they're on one side of the boat and everybody else is on the other side of the boat. And some of them only mingle with fans when they have to. And he definitely was like one of those guys that, you know, yes, okay, the panel is over, but, you know, if you guys want to hang out and talk some more, we can do that. And I just thought it was so great, you know, uh, that, he was being super nice and everybody was clicking. And, you know, as a fan, that's what you want. You know, it's like, OK, absolutely. You know, I don't yeah. you know, I know we're not going to become best personal friends or anything like that, although it would be cool if, if well, that not in 20. Right. Minutes. <laughs> well, Garrett Wong is like that, too. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's super nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Super personable. We'll talk to you. And we even ran into him multiple times. Well, I had met him before mm -hmm. at Trek Expo a super long time ago. And then, you know, saw him again at Dragon Con a few times. And we would like run into him after talking to him in the Walk of Fame. Mm -hmm. And it'd be like, hey. And he's even like given us directions before. Because you know how the Miss Star Trek universe pageant is kind of like off in a weird side ballroom <laughs> over in uh, one of the hotels. And we were looking for that ballroom and we got lost. But then we ran into him. And of course, he always uh, MCs that. So he He's knew like, exactly me. where to go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He. Yes. He always helps run the Trek track at DragonCon. Yeah, he's super involved. Super involved. I learned that Joan Crawford is a baller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now what did everybody learn today? Yeah. Just making those big money oh my moves. God. Right. I learned that Marilyn Monroe probably shouldn't have had just a color-only contract. <laughs> I learned about Swinging Richards. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh hey uh sexy thor adam weston ring of thunder what's up you're uh you're part of the so network now and you have a commercial we should play it we should play that right now yeah oh yeah give him some of that sweet sweet commercial the next evolutionary leap in the Thunderverse has arrived. The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? Every show. What? 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 You come up around here wetting in sexy Thor's yard like he's anything but the hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, marking out but never tapping out Lord of Thunder. Like you would do anything but sit down, open your ears, and take in the Ring of Thunder wherever you find your podcast like you would find any other podcast in the Thunderverse or the ESO Network. Yeah, everybody. Uh, Ring of Thunder. You, you tell us all about it, buddy. Yep, it's that wrestling podcast that took me two years for it to evolve into. It's pretty nice. dope. <laughs> 
Yeah, it is. It's the only wrestling podcast I listen to. That's a fact. Same here. That's a thunder fact. Jonathan Wheatley, History of Comic Books. Where can everybody everybody find you? Well, um, like usual spots, you can find me on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, Himalaya, and so forth. Of course, go to my Facebook page, History of Comic Books Podcast, Twitter, uh, History of Comic Books. And I finally started up a little Instagram account, History of Comic Books uh, Podcast. We'll see where that goes. But yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Live from Studio A, WTLK, The Thunder. So as reluctant as I am to put this in the news, fuck it, this will be a snapshot of how 2020 played out at worst. But Tenet has yet a new release date of September 3rd, which of course had major movie theater companies setting their reopen dates for August 21st. Fingers crossed. Ant-Man 3 has reported to begin production in June of 2021. Good to know a little bit of the future of Marvel beyond 2022's Super PAC slate, even though it will be plenty occupied from Black Widow to Captain Marvel 2. But it's also good to know Ant-Man's got a future too. I do quite enjoy those movies, which is a redundant thing to say because this is the MCU we're talking about. The virtual San Diego Comic-Con has now come and gone and it was pretty cool. Of course, on the, all the panels dropped on YouTube throughout the week, and if, if you've been to Dragon Con with me, you know I panel up like a mother flubber, so naturally I was hitting that watch later button quite a few times. One of the ones I was very much anticipating was the New Mutants panel, just waiting for another delay or the seemingly inevitable announcement of it just going to streaming. But alas, not so. It's still sticking to August 28th as of this recording, and with theaters looking at reopening the 21st. And if they stick to that date, it could finally happen, people. Of course, if theaters have to delay again, then we'll be right back at square one, but here we are. We're less than 30 days and leaning right up against the 11th hour. Then we can put the Fox Universe to bed. Speaking of... Will probably be in August by the time you hear this, but friendly reminder that the original X-Men movie hits Disney Plus August 7th, with Ant-Man and the Wasp on the 14th, and the 2005 Fantastic Four, aka Cap on Fire, on the 28th. And HBO Max has Batman films galore now. Batman 89, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, and the Dark Knight Trilogy. Congrats, HBO Max subscription justified before the Snyder Cut, but I kind of just want to own those on 4K and Blu-ray and digital. I don't know, you do you. Streaming in television and comic book land doesn't end there, though. We got our first look at Hellstrom, coming to Hulu on October 16th. It is a Marvel show about Damon Hellstrom, the son of Satan. There's not a Marvel logo on the show because Satan, but yes, it's a Marvel property. There were also three, count them three, Walking Dead panels, and along with them some eagerly anticipated announcements. The season 10 finale of The Walking Dead will finally air on October 4th, if you remember, that was delayed indefinitely because lockdown hit before they could finish post-production. It's all good now, along with the premiere of the two-season limited event, The Walking Dead, World Beyond, also on the 4th, about a group of young adults in this community who pretty much grew up in the apocalypse and have hazy to no memory of the world before. 
that was supposed to premiere after the main seasons or the main series season 10 run, but obviously did not. The following week, on the 11th, will be the season 6 premiere of Fear the Walking Dead, which usually airs around the springtime. So we have our Sunday October Walking Dead fix as normal with a unique sequence of shows. Season 10 of the main show will even be extended with 6 new episodes in early 2021. How would that even work? I wouldn't know. Here's looking at you, Clone Wars. Then hopefully come October 2021, we'll be back to our normal sequence of shows in the Walking Dead universe. Hopefully it'll be a normal sequence in general. Finally, Square Enix held the second War Table livestream for the Avengers game, starting with the beta which will be available for PlayStation pre-orders on August 7th. Then August 14th, it'll be open on PlayStation and available for Xbox pre-orders. That's me! Finally, August 21st, it'll be open for everyone. I'll find some way to play it then while watching the new season of Lucifer and buying everything on the Duncan Fall menu. Sexy finds a way. A new character was announced for the game as well, Hawkeye! I'm curious, however, to see how close the bow and arrow mechanics are to the Tomb Raider games that Crystal Dynamics also made. Hmm. And finally, in the beta, there will be two single-player missions that will be playable, along with some War Table co-op, and you'll be able to play as Iron Man, Miss Marvel, Black Widow, and the Hulk. Before I leave, I, here at the show, would like to extend congratulations to my other half that we know as the Ring of Thunder for joining Thunder Talk along with Dan and Mark's Best Saturdays of Our Lives in the ESO Network. As those familiar with Thunderverse lore already know, this WTLK segment was the solo show talking about comic book and comic book media related stuff and also wrestling stuff. I decided to split it earlier this year to make it more focused and overall just better, and so far so good, I believe. With that, this has been WTLK The Thunder. Drink, fight, and make your ancestors proud. Hey Dan, I don't mean to be a party pooper, but I gotta, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, it's been almost two hours. We hour. should wrap this up. Yeah, let's, let's, let's wrap this up, everybody. Hey, ESO Network, boom boom, f -f 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 wow, best Saturdays of our lives podcast. Where can everybody find Mark McRae and Dan Clink? All right, they can find me on the best Saturdays of our lives dot uh, com or tbsool dot com. They can also find the uh, podcast on uh, SoundCloud, on Apple. Stitcher and all other platforms, as well as the ESO Network. Boom! There it is. Boom! Yeah. Yeah. T-shirts coming <laughs> soon. Best Sellers of Our Lives podcast. Like, but you're wearing it. Adam, he also ESO Network. Ring of Thunder. Yeah, you can find Ring of Thunder on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, other places, I guess, and also the ESO Network. Put some Ring of Thunder on your body, or put your coffee in some Ring of Thunder. Put some Ring of Thunder on your car windshield, but most importantly, put some Ring of Thunder on your body. That's right. <laughs>
drink enough coffee and it gives you the ring of thunder. Ooh! Oh. Zing. I can't say it enough, everybody. Beth has one of the best Twitch channels in town. Beth, uh... Twitch.tv slash Noplahoma. If you're not watching Beth's Twitch channel, uh, you might be an asshole. You might be you're probably an asshole. You're probably, probably an, an asshole. asshole, yeah. I don't know about all that, guys, but, you know, you can find me on Twitch. You can find me on the Twitter, <laughs> at Oklahoma. Come hang out. I won't call you an asshole unless you, like, maybe openly act like one. What we're saying is shalom and, and best wishes is what that means. Namaste in this Twitch stream. May the road rise with you. If you're not checking out Beth's Twitch, you're probably an asshole. That's what we mean. Okay. Maybe it's a local thing. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Kavika, you um, got you got the. I, I don't. I just do stuff. I do Thunder Talk. You're more than welcome to follow me on Twitter. K to say rambles on. You can follow me on Twitch at K to say as well. Whenever. Beth streams. I'm her favorite moderator, so Hell you will yeah. find me there as well. So I am everywhere. <laughs> I will. I will Ooh. maybe randomly appear on the best Saturdays of our lives. I'll just appear out of nowhere. Maybe I'll appear on Ring of Thunder. Yeah, you, you will. Just never know. Never know. So um, we've talked with the every- Beagle Department, and they said <laughs> that's acceptable. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're just sitting there in your car listening to Ring of Thunder, hearing about what happened on SmackDown, and then boom, you just got SmackDown with some Kavika. That's right. So, I mean, other than that, you know, y'all know where to find us. Um, Be good to one another. Dan, where can we find you on the internet? Well, I mean, you're already listening to Thunder Talk, uh, listener. So, thundertalk.org. And thundertalkpodcast at gmail.com. And you have a Twitter. And you'll find us at the ESO Network. You're going to get our t-shirts, dude. They're going to put our logo on masks. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, and you should be wearing one. Protect you yourself and others with some thunderwear. <laughs> <laughs> for your face. For your face. Thunderwear for your face. Talk is a production of the Weirdos Workshop, with special guest star Jonathan Wheatley, Dwayne Mark, and a special thank you to Amanda Bones with Hell to Pay Management. Starring Mark McRae, Kavika Allo, Adam Wedston, Beth Allo, and Dan Klink. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ThundertalkPod. Our email address is thundertalkpodcast at gmail.com. Drink, fight, and make your ancestors proud. That's oh, that's gonna be T public. And you'll 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 be you just if you follow us on Facebook, then you'll probably stop following us on Facebook because I'm gonna shove that down your throat. <laughs> and you're gonna unfriend me on Facebook because I'm gonna shove that further down your throat. Why is there so much throat stuff going on right now? It's very <laughs> awkward. Thunderwear, Kavika. Thunderwear. Ah. <laughs> anyway, I've given up on Facebook. I think I don't know. 
That's the mic drop. That's the <laughs> That's mic drop. Right. <laughs> there it is. Go. There it is. All right. Everybody. Good night, kids. Everybody fig- Thanks for listening. <laughs> fig- <laughs> uh, this has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.